the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into hour two, as we do so every Monday. It's it's an hour later for him, but it's our same bat time and bat channel right here. We bring back, we bring on Brandon J. Weikert, uh, foreign policy and global strategist. He is the author of uh, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He has another book coming out a little bit later uh, this year, The Shadow War, which has uh, more to do with uh, the Middle East and some with China, although uh, it's all really part of the same thing. Branda, welcome back, and uh, happy Monday. Well, happy Monday, and thanks for having me. You know, ever since starting these uh, these little uh, tete-a-tetes of ours, yeah. I, um, I look forward to Mondays in ways I never did before. Same. Same. I do. It's ab- it's absolutely true. I wake up every morning. I think about what I got on the agenda, and when I realize it's a Monday and it means Brandon, I'm happier for that. Well, thank you. I, I, well, I always learn something, and my audience says as much. I promoted you saying you're coming here loaded for bear today. I said pun intended. It dawned on me. No one says pun intended. They always say pun not no, no pun intended. Yes. Yes. So I'm yes. I'm going with pun intended. They also never say gruntled. They always just go to disgruntled. So I hope you're gruntled, Brandon. That shows, I think it shows you where the American psyche <laughs> Yeah, right. We're a negative people. <laughs> right. We're a negative people. Yeah. Uh, you sent me a sketch and outline of yeah. just top-of-the-head thoughts uh, over the weekend that you were uh, going through. And I agree with them all. Everything you have said has borne out so far. I particularly go back to what you said several weeks ago, Brandon, in the way yeah. when, when Ukraine looked to be resisting Russia so heavily or so well. Uh, you said, well, just, you know, hold on. That's not how this is. R- Russia fights wars slowly and ploddingly and haltingly, and they test and touch. And, you know, they can take the body bags uh, before they go yeah. in full scale. We do shock and awe initially. They do it at the end. Uh, so uh, everything you've said so far has borne out. The question yeah. that the question that really is on the table and becoming more and more discussed, it's uncomfortable but it is getting more and more discussed, and it is obviously the great limit as to what the United States can do. Is this nuclear thing? Talk to me about that, because um, you oh. have a pessimistic view of it, but I don't see any other view of it. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to be in a nuclear war very soon, very, very, very soon. Um, we just saw this morning, I don't know if you were following it, because you know I drive early into work, so I catch the morning news like early in the morning. Um, you know, last night, apparently, the Russians uh, decided to escalate and attack directly a NATO uh, depot, an arms depot, just on the other side of the Polish border. Uh, and uh, uh, it was a clear sign of escalation on the part of Vladimir Putin. Last week, uh, both Vladimir Putin and separately and his foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, came out and said, listen, if the Americans and NATO are going to be sending these lethal arms to uh, the Ukrainians, then they're a legitimate target, those, those supply convoys, and we have a right to go all the way up and, and destroy those, those wherever they may be emanating from. So this morning, 
uh, we woke up to bombs going off just a few miles outside of the Polish border yeah. uh, in the supposed safe side of Ukraine, the western side near the V. And um, this thing is not going away. It's not, I mean, because of the lumbering and plotting nature of the Russian war machine, uh, they're going to take their sweet old time because that's all they can do because Ukrainians are resisting uh, more than the Russians initially assumed they would. But Vladimir Putin, who is not beholden to public opinion in Russia, who is insulated by a very scared security uh, apparatus that will not turn on him. I know that was a great hope of people at the CFR and the Atlantic Council. And, of course, in typical fashion, the the well-credentialed elite among us are completely wrong. Vladimir Putin has every other person in that Russian elite cowed. They're not going to turn on him, no matter how much they may. I, I got to pause you uh, on this, you yeah. know, Brandon. I, you know, I, I used to know a few things about foreign policy. I, I haven't done it in a long time, but in my casual conversations with people, you know, the dinner parties or whatever's, you know, they right. all say, "Well, what are the chances?" You know, one of his inner circle will take him out, and I just look at them and I say. Name me one example where that's actually ever right. happened with one of our enemies. I mean, you can give me right. a lot of examples where it's failed. Name me where it's ever happened. I can't right. think of the example. Yeah, we right. used to and do it to point, others, but uh, inner circle? Uh-uh. Right. And the whole point that I'm making is the longer he is, Putin is in power, and the more aggressive and uh, like a, you know, a pit bull with a bit in his mouth, he's not going to let it go, this Ukraine thing. Right. Uh, he now is in a position where... He has to show that he is strong at all times and that he is going to achieve what he said he was going to, no matter what the cost, to anybody else. And so that's now we're in this position where NATO and the Americans, we are not going to stop supplying the Ukrainians. It's the, you know, the least we can do, uh, and it's the most I think we should do, but, but, but it's, it's enough, I think, to slow the Russians down. But what that means is that Russia has to introduce increasingly more offensive and devastating weapons. So this is why now they've escalated into using phosphorus bombs, which are illegal, by the way. They're considered war crimes, and we use them. Um, what is it? That, yeah, Brandon, I just missed what the tool was. What, oh, what was phosphorus. it? Phosphorus. Oh, phosphorus. Bombs. Yeah, right, right, right. Phosphorus yes, bombs. Yes. Okay. Uh, which was outlawed in the 1960s, I think. Yep. And then Vietnamese use it on us all the time. The Chinese love that weapon uh, because it maims and it kills. It's, it's very lethal. So you see the maliciousness with which the Russians are fighting. You see the fear of the Russian commanders who are very hesitant to attack Ukrainians en masse because in many cases those are their family members, extended family members. But now Putin is so dug in, they know these Russian commanders on the ground that if they don't get moving and start striking as hard as they can, it could be them on the chopping block with Putin's security services. So all of this is to say that I think nuclear weapons, whether they be tactical, non-strategic nuclear weapons, you know, the smaller, more battlefield types, or God help us, the larger ones, the ICBM the strategic nuclear weapons, I think we are rapidly, very rapidly approaching a phase in this conflict where Putin deploys those systems uh, in order to, quote, soften up the targets in Ukraine and maybe to lash out against those NATO countries that he knows, we all do, that are supplying Ukrainian resistance fighters with very advanced weapons that are killing many Russian troops by the many thousands. Brandon, let me... um... Let me try this with you and get your sense. I'm poising it in the form of a question, even if it sounds like a declaratory sentence. About a month ago, when the discussions were, well, if it comes to a NATO member, of course we'll come to their actual defense. Article 5 gets triggered and all that. To which people would say, really, Estonia? We're going to do this for Estonia? And then that kind of debate went, 
you know, right. a little to the right and to the left. But when we're talking Poland, we're talking Poland. That's a different animal, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. not well, Estonia. I mean, we're all no, members and, of NATO, but some members right. are a little different than others. Right. And, you know, uh, six years ago, you know, I do a lot of work with the Polish groups oh, in good. Washington, D.C. Um, and so six years ago, as early as then, the Poles that I was communicating and working with, uh, on the, I mean, with on the Hill and whatnot, were saying, Brandon, I'm telling you, it's not about Ukraine. This is ultimately about Poland. This, mm-hmm. is, this is Russia trying to get their revenge on Poland for breaking away from the Russian sphere. Because it all started, remember, the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yes, it happened inside of Russia, but it also was initiated by the Solidarity Movement in Poland in the 80s. And Putin in particular never forgave the Poles for this. And so everything he's been doing... Uh, the polls have been telling me it's all about Poland. And then six years ago, I was going, I don't know about that. I don't I think that might be just Polish paranoia. Uh, but no, I think the ultimate goal now is very clear to me that Putin is not going to stop with Ukraine. He is going to try to attach Ukraine through Russia and into Moldova, the Transnistrian region. I think that he is. You look at what's going on in Serbia the last two weeks. There's in, there are Russian uh, provocations all over Serbia, and the Serbs are very pro-Russian. They've never forgotten what they thought was the bad deal they got from the West during the whole Balkans crisis in the 90s. And then you look at what Putin's doing, bombing these targets just a few miles on the other side of the Polish border in Ukraine. This is about Poland, I think. This is about breaking apart NATO. And I think I think Putin is old enough and he's desperate enough where if he's going to want to take Ukraine, yeah, and make them believe for resisting, maybe using nukes, but where this is ultimately going to eventuate in him challenging NATO directly, just to see if the Poles are really worth NATO's time. And I think he's calculating that we're going to walk away from Poland like we always do. Brandon, uh, a lot in the audience are probably thinking back to 2009, Barack Obama's first year in office when he stripped Poland and the Czech Republic of missile defense systems. Was that ever cured? Or if that had not been done, would we be having a different conversation? Would we be in better stead? Actually, I have to take a quick break. Can you come back on that point a little bit? Absolutely. Great. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Brandon J. Weikert. He's also happy to take your call, 602 508 0960. We will be right back. You can follow him at the Weikert Report, uh, theweikertreport.com. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how he spells his name. You can follow him on Twitter, we the Brandon, and uh, you can hear him here every Monday as we will hear more from him in a moment. Be right back. That is the uh, driving guitar of uh, Lee Rittenauer. The voice you're about to hear is the driving voice of Brandon J. Weikert. He of the Weikert Report, <laughs> winning space, how America remains a superpower. <laughs> Columnist everywhere. We might be able to get to your Washington Times column, too, today, Brandon, with any luck. But you were talking oh, yeah. um, uh, in the previous segment about uh, Putin's nuclear uh, fantasies, options and fantasies, and uh, the possible deployment, even maybe more than possible deployment. It makes Americans uh, obviously cringe. It's an uncomfortable conversation, but to the degree we don't have these uncomfortable conversations, we're not going to have comfortable responses to them. Uh, Czech Republic and Poland, uh, they know things about um, invasions. They know things about Russia that, uh, let's say, um, they didn't need to uh, sit in Barack Obama's University of Chicago classroom to learn. 
but his wisdom was to yank missile defense from them in 2009. Would yeah. we be in a better place were that not the case, or did we kind of cure that some other way? Talk to us about Oh, uh, no, no, we would definitely be in a better place. Um, and Obama did that explicitly because he was trying to get the reset with Russia at the time. And so he, he did, did it to appease that. Russia, not to he put too to fine a point on it. You know, there's okay. the Russian stooge, by the way. It wasn't his successor. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Orange Man in the White House, Donald Trump. It was it was the you know the young man from from uh, you know Chicago who decided to be uh, the arrogant president of, of of the world at the expense of America and its allies, and it showed. And so that was a deal that Obama made. He claimed that the ballistic missile defense interceptors could be better suited uh, to moving them out of Poland and, and Eastern Europe where it would destabilize the detente or nuclear uh, deterrence of Russia and risk an unwanted arms race uh, with Russia, a nuclear arms race, that by moving those BMD systems out of Poland and onto ships nearer to rogue states in the Mediterranean like Iran, we were actually getting to have our cake and eat it. But, of course, in typical Obama fashion, like if you want your doctor, you can keep it. Uh, you know, in typical Obama fashion, it was a complete fabrication, and it was all aimed for politics and, and being able to get his little agenda through, no matter how damaging to the country's national and strategic interests it was. And, and it was very damaging. So, no, we are not in a better off position. Uh, we did not cure the problem. If, if anything, the moment that Obama took over uh, in, in 2008, he began cutting the, the copious funding that uh, the the strategic, you know, ballistic missile defense program had finally been given under George W. Bush during his eight years in office. And so we had a huge setback for the eight years of Obama's presidency, which was really crazy, because not only was he dealing with Russia, but one would have thought his, you know, interactions with North Korea alone, where he apparently left in his letter for Trump uh, when he left office, you know, every president leaves a letter for their yep. successor explaining the problem that they're going to face, the number one thing he talked about, according to Trump and Trump's loyalists, in that letter was Obama warned him, watch out for North Korea. It's going to be a big problem in your first year. So why, if anything, wasn't, wasn't Obama more serious about ballistic missile defense if he knew about these problems? And so, you know, no, Poland got hosed again. We sacrificed Poland under Obama. And I think if Biden or another Democrat is in charge, I think we're going to end up sacrificing Poland under them. And that's where this is headed, I think. And if I were the Poles, I'd be building my own space-based missile defense system. I talk routinely with Dr. Yasek Bartosiak, who's a dear friend of mine, has a wonderful podcast called Strategy and Future. Uh, and he is sort of the guru uh, for the Polish Ministry of Defense right now. Uh, and he has been pushing for an independent Polish space force for a while. And that has been something I've been telling because I don't think the Poles can rely on us anymore to do anything with really. And so that's what I think they need to do, because we won't, we won't protect uh, our interests in Europe with ballistic missile defense. We need space-based missile defense, which, of course, we wanted in the 80s under Reagan. And, of course, the Democrats killed it uh, almost as soon as uh, Reagan left office. It was, it was completely dead on arrival. We have come to the brink uh, in times past, famously between Kennedy and Khrushchev. Yes. Uh, people thought Reagan would be trigger happy. Turned out he signed the yeah. Intermediate Nuclear Forces Reduction Treaty and he had Gorbachev to work with. We're not dealing with Gorbachev and no. Reagan or Khrushchev and Kennedy right now, no. are we? No. The thing is, you have to understand, um, since the Cold War ended, 
Whereas in the Cold War, with the exception of during Stalin's time, most Soviet leaders had to kind of share power with other Soviet elements, other leaders uh. who had, were invested stakeholders. So you kind of had some degree of, yes, you had a Khrushchev who was ultimately a power, but he did have to deal with the Politburo members. He did have to kind of deal with his own internal domestic political situation, the stakeholders in that system, who either counterbalanced something that he wanted to do or would amplify it. And during the, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you did have the military element wanting to go full nuclear, but you also had other elements that Khrushchev, including Khrushchev himself, as it turned out, uh, who were a little bit more skeptical about going to nuclear war with America over Cuba. Um, so you had a degree of, of shared mutual interest, uh, both within the Soviet system and the American system, to maybe go to that line, but then step back at the last minute. At the end of the day, we were very good at doing that, at that brinksmanship. However... Now, in the Russian system, you have one man, Vladimir Putin, who increasingly has little left to lose, who's old, he's, no matter how healthy he is, no matter how good at judo he is, no matter how many young wives he has, he's old, and he's only getting older. And he's looking around going, I have a legacy to build, I told the Russian people, give me total power, and I will restore the Russian Empire, and I'm not really doing it unless I get Ukraine. And so he will go all the way to ensure that he gets what he wants. And he's looking at the other side of the table, namely Joe Biden, and he's saying, this guy I can push around. This guy is not in control. He doesn't have his faculties. Remember, your audience should remember, the KGB taught Mr. Putin very well. One of his jobs as a counter-intel operative was he had to be able to read people. He has dealt with Mr. Biden for decades when he was president and Biden was both the vice president under Obama and before that the leader of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And when you deal with somebody who's losing their mental faculties because of old age, as I believe Biden is, and I'm dealing with this with a family member right now down here in Florida, you can tell the difference from when they had their marbles and when they started yeah. using it. And yeah. I think Biden met with Putin last April. And yes, he gave away the store with Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But before that, I think Putin took one look at this guy and said, this is not the same guy I remember. He's gone. And you he's going to get worse. So I better take what I can. That analysis <laughs> is important. I think the other one might be equally interesting, if not a little more so, which had not dawned on me, which is for all the hell that Khrushchev put us through during his tenure, um, the history of Russia is – or the history of the Soviet Union and Russia – is that maybe Putin is actually more powerful within Russia than Khrushchev yes. was? He's much more. He has much more power consolidated unto himself. Yes. Yes. Let, and, let and, me and, let and, me take and, a quick break. Yes. Uh, one more quick Absolutely. break. Right, we'll be right back sure. with uh, your calls and more from Brandon Weikert. Let me put in a word for balance of nature. As we're going to break, I take it every single day. I get tomatoes, papayas, wild blueberries, strawberries, grapefruit, um, cranberry, apples. Um, can you say that you did that today? Aloe vera on the veggie side, broccoli, cabbage, zucchini, sweet potatoes, celery, cayenne pepper, carrots, soybean. It's a great product. Take it every single day. It's all natural, 100% natural, third-party tested, balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Go to balanceofnature.com. Look at their fruits and veggies, a blend of 15 whole vegetables and 16 whole veggies. That's all that's in it, nothing more, nothing added, no sugars, nothing. That's it. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We'll be right back.
little Florida music for our friend Brandon J. Weikert right there for you. Brandon, um, I was just making the point that you made uh, or emphasizing the point, underscoring the point you made. It's really fascinating when you think about the Soviet leaders of yore, particularly Khrushchev, who brought us probably the closest to the nuclear brink of yeah. any Soviet leader. It's an interesting point. Vladimir Putin actually has probably more consolidated power amongst his retinue and in his country than Khrushchev yeah. ever did. Uh, that's a frightening prospect. That's a frightening prospect. Yes, and it's, it's very similar to the situation in China uh, with Xi Jinping, where he has basically aggregated all the power he could toward himself in a way that you haven't seen since Mao. We're living in the age of the strongman. We're living in the age of where basically I believe the great man theory of history is at play, where the force of personality of individual leaders uh, is going to account for much more in terms of shaping the future and sort of the political and, and military landscape of, of, of humanity than any sort of international relations theory or any sort of Hegelian sense of history bending <laughs> toward justice ever could. I know what you mean by that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I got the old Rand Corporation joke there. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I was also taking a swipe at Dr. Fukuyama. Yes, 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 yes. article, yes. He, he makes the prognostication that Russia is going to lose, don't worry. And I found that whenever Dr. Fukuyama makes a prediction, I always take the opposite side because yeah. I'll probably be right yeah. and he'll be wrong. Yeah. He'll get more famous. Yeah, he'll get more famous <laughs> and his book will uh, – yeah. Anyway, your next book will be as big as his last book. Yeah, let, let, me, let me take we're a quick call with you. Rob and Surprise, you've spoken with him before. Rob, you're on with Brandon Weicker. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hi, Brandon. Great to have you on. And uh, thanks for having me again. You bet. Um, I, I, I'm very fascinated by, since I've dealt with those nuclear weapons before in my life, um, the, the comments you have about the nukes. But I think some clarification might be needed because uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, whenever anybody in America hears nukes, it's like, well, we're going to lose Washington, New York City, and Chicago, right, and LA. Right, right. But, but I think what you're in, in, uh, implying is that uh, he may go into the tactical, him yeah. being Putin, may, may go into the tactical, uh, local, uh, use it when needed in Ukraine. Yeah. And maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were even sort of implying that it could be used in Poland. Now, well, back in, yeah. you know, if, if we if we take the Wayback Machine, way back with the Khrushchev era, you had the Politburo, which, uh, and I think from the U.S. standpoint, we had people that uh, thought they were dealing with rational people. And I think what you're saying now is that Putin is totally in charge, and what, what it, whatever they call the Politburo now really bows to his decisions. Right. And we'll adhere to whatever he decides. Right. So now we're we're sort of dealing with a new Iran, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a great segue and a great point. I'll let you unload yeah. on that, Brandon. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah well, well, also, and, and real quick, uh, Jeff Edmonds over at CNAS, uh, who's he's on the other side politically, but I've had several nice interactions with him at the lecture circuit in D.C. He's a Russia, you know, he's the guru of Russia. Uh, he, he, he really made this point to me when we were talking offline uh, a few months ago about how, you know, it really is very similar to dealing with the Mullahs in Iran. In fact, there's an Orthodox Eastern, Eastern Christian Orthodox Church that Putin built that's nicknamed the, the Gun Church 
because it's built as a shrine to war, to nuclear war. Uh, if the AK-47 is built into the altar, and the the uh, the glass panes are of nuclear explosions and of the Red Army marching uh, to war. And so it is very much a war church, something you'd see from like sort of a Klingon, from Star Trek or something. Uh, you know, the way of the warrior. So we are dealing with a very fanatical, militaristic, bombastic Russia under Putin. Uh, and furthermore, um, to Putin, this is very rational. This is not irrational. This is very rational. The Russians have never, going back to the 1940s, have never feared or had an apocalyptic view of nuclear warfare the way that American policymakers have. Uh, and it's ironic because, of course, we're the only country that have actually successfully used nuclear warfare. We ended the Pacific theater uh, successfully without a single American getting killed at the end there because we had two nukes. But the Russians took something different away from that, whereas we took away going, my goodness, you know, the Oppenheimer view, this is, you know, I have become Shiva, the god of death. Uh, I have to stop the, the madness, not build more of these things. And if I do build more of these things, I have to somehow get the other side to kind of agree that we're never going to use them, we're going to restrain these. The Russians took away and say, hey, look, you know, we lost 20 million people, yeah. uh, you know, in the look world Look what you war. can accomplish, not look what you need to That's stop. That's right. Yeah. L- let me, let me hit this break real quick, right. Brandon. we got a nice long segment coming up because I want to ask you, when it comes to this, is deterrence dead? And what is the connection, now that Iran has been put on the table, to what took place in uh, Erbil as well? We'll put all that together with Brandon Weikert when we come back. Brandon J. Weikert, The Weikert Report, theweikertreport.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest negotiating us between uh, the lines of foreign policy, diplomacy, and war, particularly as we're looking at Russia right now. Uh, this whole issue of, of the use of nukes, and Rob, Rob's point, it, it, it's worth reiterating. I mean, we could lead to ICBMs at some point. The kind of nuclear yeah. weaponry we're talking about right now falls more into the tactical range, the kind of stuff Goldwater got in trouble for talking about in 1964, yeah. right? But we're more talking about the tactical stuff, the more localized. So either way... Well, that's the thing, though, yeah. real, real quick. Yeah. Real thing, the thing with nuclear war, and this is where some of the utopians, I think, are correct, is once you start yeah. the quote-unquote right. limited nuclear right. war, right. there's no reason to believe that it's going to end there. Right. One side is going to try to get uh, you know an advantage on the other, and if they can't do it in the tactical nuclear right. realm, they're going to escalate into a, the ICBM strategic realm where they're blowing up cities, and before long, everybody loses. But by then, it's too late. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the great Herman Kahn referred to it uh, in the 60s as an insensate wargasm. Right. Uh, and right. that is exactly what would happen. And that is the danger. And this is what happens when you have a guy like Putin uh, who's completely you know, committed to his course no matter what, and somebody on the other side like Biden who's, let's face it, in his basement sleeping or eating ice cream most of the time. It raises the question then, and I mean this is what's kind of on the table with Iran in a sense, of – Whatever happened to the notion of deterrence? Two months ago, I asked you that when Biden was talking what? about uh, living with, uh, how did he put it, minor incursions. I said, is deterrence right. over? Is deter- Are we just done with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, well, so deterrence is predicated on a degree of equality uh, existing between the two or more parties that are engaged in deterrence. Basically, I'm afraid to attack this country because even though I can easily attack them, 
The problem is they've got enough weapons and things on their arsenal that they can easily hit me back. And before long, you know, nobody's going to win that. And that keeps me from going too far. It keeps them from going too far. The problem now is we live in the age of asymmetrical warfare, of unconventional warfare, where things are no longer balanced. America is, yes, the most powerful military conventionally in the world, but we've been draining that power for the last 30 years. And furthermore, our enemies, namely Russia and China, have been enhancing their sort of unconventional threat to us. So we could escalate, you know, maybe by sending in troops, but the Russians can escalate by attacking us in the cyber domain, and oh, by the way, attacking us again in the space domain, debilitating our nuclear command, control, and communications capabilities in space and in cyber, so much so that we can't retaliate with a nuclear weapon. So that gives the Russians an opening to hit us first and not have to worry too much about sustaining a larger nuclear response force, China as well. Uh, another thing to think about is the fact that uh, the, the, the Russians are looking, as well as the Chinese, at using these sort of space-based attacks to temporarily blind our forces on Earth, blinding our satellites, so we can't resist the Russian invasion of the Baltic states or Finland. We can't resist the Chinese invasion of Latic province in India or um, uh, in Taiwan. And that's where this is headed. We are in the, in the era of asymmetrical, of imbalance, and therefore deterrence in that situation is dead. We're also lastly in the era of new technologies like quantum or like, uh, more importantly, hypersonic missiles, which China and Russia both have active working advanced versions, and we do not. We also don't have a defense against them. And also it was revealed in January that somebody, I can only imagine who, gave Kim Jong-un a, ru a rudimentary a hypersonic missile uh, that he tested in January that forced the FAA to shut down all air traffic control on the western seaboard of the United States because they were afraid that hypersonic missile was headed towards San Francisco. So we are no longer living in deterrence because our enemies are now building technologies that outstrip our defenses, and therefore deterrence is dead. We're living in the age instead of compelling. Brandon, this was uh, an hour story. It should have been a longer story than that, but it was up and everyone was blowing sirens for an hour and then it disappeared. Herbal, talk to me about that. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, let's just get one thing clear. What happened in Iraq with the uh, Iranian missile attack that landed right in front of our consulate was twofold. First, it was designed by the Russians and executed on the Russians' behalf by the Iranians. It was designed by Russia to distract the United States and peel us away from Europe so that we would have no choice but to focus on Iran and the Middle East. Second of all, it was, it was implemented happily by the Iranians because A, they've become a colony, nothing more of both Russia and China. And lastly, because Iran thinks they can maximize their benefit in the ongoing Biden nuclear concession to Iran by being bullied, because everybody thinks they can bully Biden and therefore get away with bloody murder. And so that was a signal to the Americans and their allies, I think, that, hey, if you don't quickly wrap up these negotiations and give us everything we want, we're going to make your lives a living you-know-what. And I think that's what that was. There's some rumors out there that that the Iranians struck out at a, a secret Israeli base that was there. I don't know. Maybe that there's something to that. But I think that's ancillary if that's the case. I think what happened in Iran was Russia trying to peel us away from Europe 
and also Iran doing it because they want us to sign quickly the deal that's going to maximize their benefit, allow them to get nukes faster, and allow them to lash out at their neighbors and conquer their neighborhood or have a chance at it uh, quicker than we're, we're, than ordinarily we'd be willing to get, let them have, even under Biden. And so this is a very dangerous, very dangerous situation we find ourselves in. You know, Lincoln famously said one war at a time, and it, and it, you know, people are hearing, wait, herbal Iraq? This, this is one war. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, yeah, people are saying herbal Iraq, Iran, Russia, Ukraine, this Poland. No, it's war. all one war. It really is this one is war. This is the war for Eurasia, yeah. or this is Eurasia's yeah. war for the world. Yeah. We don't understand it because we're siloing these countries. They're coordinating, and they're very open, and they're laughing about it because they're like, the Americans don't believe that we're allies. The Americans don't believe we're working together. They are. Do they have differences? Yes. But those differences are being set aside right now because America is so tragically weak and distracted. And so our enemies are working together to maximize their gain because they think they can get more working together against us than working apart. And this is the danger. You know, what's going to happen possibly, Brandon, I have to hit a break in a second. I'll, I'll give you the last word in another in the in our final segment, if you'd like, sure. uh, after the break. But I, I, I have a I have a bad feeling about what's going to happen, which is that uh, the distractions and failures that are going to increasingly take place vis-a-vis our ability to restrain or constrain Russia are going to push Joe Biden even further to uh, have an accomplishment he can celebrate and promote, which means Iran. Might you say something about the dangers of the deal with Iran when we come back on the other side of this break real quick? Absolutely. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower is his current book, The Shadow War, coming out later this year. It will be be another book of his. Um, You can follow him on Twitter, at WeTheBrandon. Uh, you can go to his website, The Weichert Report, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how he spells his name. We'll be right back. Song is title of this song is Tragedy, aptly so. Brandon J. Weichert, last few minutes we have with you in this hour. Thanks for giving it to us. Talk to me about the dangers of this Iran deal, because my worry is that as the Russia engagement fails, he's going to be looking for a, de- a desirable success, and he'll call it that. Um, why should we be worried about the deal with Iran? Well, because it's going to, A, give the mad mullahs uh, the pathway to the bomb, and the legal pathway, and second of all, remove whatever limits or restrictions that have been placed on Iran since 1979. It basically removes it by working Iran back into the world system under the mad mullahs, which gives a life breath to the dying Mad Mullah regime at a time when we should be standing with the Iranian people, most of whom do not want the Mullahs to be running running things anymore. Uh, And it will basically allow for that regime to get a second lease on life, just in the way that the Nixon rapprochement with China gave Mao Zedong in his moment of desperate need uh, a second and third lease on life. And we now see what opening up China to trade with the rest of the world has done. It's made a monster. But I think similarly, you're going to see something happening with, with Iran, where you're going to create this theocratic monster. They're going to run roughshod over the region. They're going to bring China and Russia deeper into the region. Uh, they're going to start trying to attack and destroy the Saudis, who we're supportive of, kind of, uh, uh, against Israel, definitely. Uh, and they will eventually send elements to try to destroy us and the Europeans in our own cities, uh, those nuclear weapons will be miniaturized. They will be turned into dirty bombs and whatnot. Hezbollah agents will come. 
uh, and they will attempt to, to knock out American and European cities because the Iranian leadership, like Putin, are not operating in the same reality as you and I. And so what we think is irrational, they think is quite rational right. and practical, and they will do that. And that's what you're dealing with. And we, don't, we forget what it's like to deal with people. You, you, you said something really important uh, in, 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 in what you said there, Brandon, and uh, I, I may have to leave it at this, but when you said a legal pathway to the bomb, that's exactly right, because they are a signatory to the nonproliferation trade. We do right. not need this. We do not need this. Right. Anyway. Okay. We don't need any of this. No. Yeah. Brandon J. Warker, you know how much I respect you, and uh, thank, well, thank you. you. Okay. I wish I had better words, but thank you. Thank you. You betcha. People say, well, how do you describe Brandon in a sentence? You know what I say? There is no substitute for brains. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.